This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. This is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Joel D'Souza. Hey, Joel, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, great to have you. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Joel, and how you got involved in real estate investing? Uh, Cool, sure. So, um, uh, my wife and I, we both work uh, in tech. We're both W-2 employees. We have three kids, um, and uh, we just moved to Austin um, about two years ago from Northern Virginia. Uh, we just wanted a more, uh, we wanted warmer weather, a more mm-hmm. lifestyle. So, um, yeah, we said we'll, we'll try going a bit south. Um, and Austin was a good place for tech, so we wouldn't, like, kind of compromise uh, from a work perspective. Um, and then as far as, like, real estate, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we currently have, uh, we do, pa- we, we're mainly in passive investments. Um, we have a couple of single family that uh, we self-manage and uh, we're in a couple of apartment syndication deals as well. And we're kind of looking to grow our single family portfolio. That's awesome. So what attracted you to real estate investing, Joel? Uh, I mean, it, it, it was very fluid the way it happened for us. It was kind of life through it at us. It wasn't something we planned for. I mean, the rich dad, poor dad, you know, it's normally a starting point for most investors. For me, it happened much later. Uh, our first home, we bought our town home in 2010. You know, that's when they had the, the tax, you know, the, the thing for new home buyers, the 8,000 back. That was the initiative. We went, we bought our first town home. We lived there a couple of years and, uh, you know, we, our family was growing. We had, uh, when we had our second daughter, we decided to upgrade and get a single family home, but the first town home didn't appreciate in value. So we decided to keep it and, you know, we decided to rent it out. So we became accidental landlords. Um, and then our Northern Virginia, kind of like Austin is right now, was super pricey. And, you know, we wanted a new home. We wanted a done up, a turnkey home, and we just weren't getting it. So after about a month, month and a half, we came to the realization. We're like, you know what? We're not going to get anything. You know, we wanted something closer to D.C. in case we got work, uh, commute. You know, I'm sure you've heard of traffic in the area. Yeah. So we wanted something closer and we were like, man, we're getting priced out left, right and center. Like we can't even get, you know, we weren't even coming close to these homes. They were past a million dollars at the time. So we were like, all right, you know, let's, uh, let's try to get creative here. And we kind of started looking at some stagnant listings. And this was just us. We had no, no background in real estate. And we happened to come across this one place that, you know, had multiple price drops it had an unfinished basement, it, very dated pictures. It was a 28-year-old house. Uh, it had good bones. It was like 4,300 square feet. Um, and, you know, we were like, hey, let's just try it out. And we put in an offer of, <laughs> we went in 25K under. So we effectively got it for 100K under the asking price it, that they had actually posted. We could tell the sellers were like desperate to kind of sell it. Um, it might've been overpriced. We're not sure, but it was a good deal. The appraisal as well came in under, and it was a livable home. It wasn't, it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. 
Uh, but yeah, we went in, we just, you know, changed, we painted, we painted ourselves. I changed out the light fixtures, just made it like livable, but we didn't want to do anything drastic. We were like, oh, you know, what? we're eventually going to gut the whole place and like redo everything and put in like fancy dual staircase and whatever we could do. But, um, you know, obviously, and then we started getting quotes and we're like, all right, this is a bit too pricey. Then Austin, the Austin thing happened to come up and then we started looking at tax and we were like, whoa, you know, primary residence, if we sell uh, two years, you know, we don't pay and we're, we're first generation here in the US. So, you know, the tax system and, you know, all of that was new to us. And we're like, oh, so maybe we can evaluate like selling and be moving out of state. And that's when kind of Austin came up. Um, that's when I got in touch with my buddy who was, uh, uh, he was a flipper in the area in Northern Virginia. And, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, you to sell, you just want to be smart here and renovate. Don't got the place. We had re- refinished the floor. So he was just like, do the bathrooms, do the kitchen. You'll get, you'll get a decent amount. And we were able to increase the value by like 30% from the time we bought it just by renovations. And like we had a Zillow agent come in and she was like, Oh, don't touch anything. We'll just, how much did you buy it for? We'll list it for like 50 K under literally just letting us recoup the fees. And I'm just, we weren't happy with that. So that's when I contacted him and we were, we were able to get much higher, like around 250 K more than uh, what we would have gone if we had just gone with a defensive Zillow. And that's when we really got the power of, you know, building equity and we got the taste of it. Then I started looking around and I came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad and about how to, so it was kind of like, it happened, you know, we had a experiment and then we kind of learned how to do it. Uh, so it was interesting. And then, you know, went down the Rich Dad, Poor Dad when we moved to Austin. And that's when we were like, all right, we need to like start building our portfolio, looking at real estate. We, we evaluated commercial properties, um, acquiring like maybe software companies, businesses, because we had uh, the funds and we wanted to do something with it. But again, we had our W2 jobs and with our kids, we just felt like this would be something that would suit our lifestyle. Um, and I think it's been a year, you know, luckily the properties have been, one was a turnkey, one was a, you know, bit of a, it was challenging, but, uh, you know, so far so good. It's, it's been good and we really want to grow that portfolio. That's awesome. So that was kind of a long-winded story about why, what attracted us to real estate. Oh, no, that's great. Uh, so it sounds like you, you had one that was more of a headache than the others. Could you tell us about that project that you did that was was kind of a, a mess? Yeah, so the, I mean, the first one we bought was like turnkey was, you know, we were, it was a single story um, here and we were like, oh, this is very nice. The property shows well, it'd be easy to rent. And it was uh, someone's primary home. So it was very, care, very well taken care of. Um, and we were like, oh, you know, good development going on in the area. So we were like, all right, we'll get it. That was conventional. No other offers came in. We were a strong offer. It was a done deal. Uh, we didn't, we knew what the comp rents were and we were able to rent it out within like a week. It was great. There was nothing. All we had to do was we got in a washer dryer. That's been like a weird thing. Like, do you have to put in a washer dryer? Like that's what you kind of learn. Um, realize that people like to get their own, but whatever. So we put in a new washer dryer. That was the only thing that delayed us, believe it or not, but everything else was done. So yeah, we, we had tenants move in. They signed a two-year lease. Um, because of the demand, I was like, you guys got to sign a two-year lease. And it kind of worked. Um, so we were like, all right, this is great. This works, you know, first deal worked fine. 
few months later, we were like, all right, we're ready to go again. And this was right before uh, the, it was February this year. So we started looking and we, we had researched this particular street and we put in a couple of offers and, you know, we kept getting up it. And it was like, you know, the home was on the market for like 45 days, no activity. We're like, all right, let's try to lowball them. And then they were like that day they got an offer outbid and we were like, oh, maybe they're just like trying to arm twist us into putting in a higher offer. But literally the, on MLS, it went into pending. We were like, what are the odds of this happening? And this was in February. So then, uh, you know, in Zillow, we were like browsing Zillow and we saw this one property and we were like, it showed really bad. And we were like, this is kind of weird. And it said it was an investor property. Uh, so we kind of drove by it and it was okay. Wasn't great. Wasn't well kept. We were like, let's contact them. So, I mean, I had an agent, so I told her, you know, just get in touch with uh, the seller and see what's up with the selling agent. It turns out that the investor was, I mean, the realtor owned the property and it was his property that he was selling. He was just trying to like offload it. Mm -hmm. And it was on the market for like 60 days, no interest. He was upfront about it, surprisingly. Uh, So we said, all right, we, we were on the street. We said, we'll go check it out. We went and looked at it. We happened to meet the tenants. They were very nice you know, very, you know, presentable and, you know, it seems like they're taking care of the place. Um, and then he came and met us over there and it so happened my realtor had to head out. So we got one-on-one time with the, who happened to be the seller. So we were just kind of inquiring and, you know, he was up front. He said, oh, I had to fix the AC, I had to do this, do that. We're like, all right, fine. Seems like a straightforward, nice guy. Seems like a straight shooter. I think this is a good deal. We went back, we drafted up an offer. We put it in, we came, we went in like, you know, like 2,500 or so five grand under or something like that. Um, then we went to inspection. Uh, we went to inspection and it turned out this was a 13 year old house. The roof needed to be replaced. Uh, there were some plumbing issues with the house. Um, the the air conditioning unit, it seemed like someone just kind of rigged it to start it up. It passed, like there was cold air coming out, but they told us that AC unit. So it was like, one thing, the appliances were like older used appliances that were put in just for the sale. Mm-hmm. So all of these were pointed out. And the main thing obviously was the roof. And we were like, you know, all right, let's try to see if we can get him down on price. We literally got, I got a quote for the roof and everything else was out there. So we just quoted back and he was like, whoa, that's like crazy. I'm going to go into a loss. The thing is we knew that street was good. Like it was going to appreciate. We knew the area because we owned a home in that area as well. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, nah, I think it's a good deal. So, you know, we tried going a little higher and saying, all right, we'll settle for this. He wouldn't budge. And we were literally a day from our, um, the like kind of the option period expiring. Mm-hmm. We were like, you know, forget it. We're done. It was a Friday, I remember. And we signed and we were like, I, I think he, wa- he didn't think we were going to pull out of the deal. Uh, and we were like, all right, you know, done. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday went by. And suddenly on Monday, my realtor contacts me and says, Hey, he wants to, you know, restart conversations. And I was like, Hey, I thought we pulled out of this deal. She's like, no, I think he really wants to get rid of it. So he's like, he off, he he decided to meet us halfway. And at that point we were like, it's okay. The numbers work. There were tenants in there. So we won't have to deal with vacancy. We'll deal with this stuff as it comes along. Uh, just our bad luck month later the roof starts leaking oh, wow. later, right in the peak of summer the ac goes out uh four months later the oven the front door just comes off <laughs> and the glass didn't break but the thing just came off and we were just like oh my god what do we get ourselves into um but i mean you know uh 
and we closed right before the pandemic and right now kind of just cooled off where like we're not getting into anything but so that kind of was good gave us the opportunity to kind of stabilize this asset uh, it was a learning experience though it was definitely a learning experience you're not going to get turnkey in austin for sure no i i shouldn't say the first one was but um but yeah, I mean, you, you, there is going to be, you have to put in, you have to be willing to put in that time. It's not going to be as easy. We knew it was coming, but obviously we didn't think in the first six months. Uh, but anyways, we were, like long story was we closed in February. You know, it's been about seven months. We've had about four calls. Um, so I, I'm just offsetting it with our other property, which we've owned for about 14 months with no calls. So I'm like, it's okay. We'll just even it out and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, that's not being bad. Four calls compared to zero calls a lot, but four calls really isn't too bad. So you said it was 13 years old and already needed a new roof. Yeah. It was kind of strange, right? That's like strange, yeah. patchy and, um, things. So it was before, so because it came up in our inspection report, mm-hmm. didn't go through the insurance. So we had, we landed up paying for that uh, out of pocket. Like a lot of this stuff was called out. So we couldn't get the AC, we couldn't get the roof. And we were like, we had kept money aside for, we're quite like defensive. We knew going into these deals where like, we're going to keep a little bit of money aside for that. So luckily it didn't come out of left field for us. It was like, all right, we know this is coming. Let's just plan for it. And it kind of worked uh, in that sense. We knew the roof, how much it was going to cost. And, you know, we just kind of got it done. Um, yeah, it was weird. 13 years, but I think uh, it's in Huddo. So I think they've, they've had some like, weather related stuff. We're not too like familiar that way, but I think there's been like hail and stuff in the area. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some hail out there recently. Yeah. 13 years is real young for a roof. Yep. I mean, depending on the roof, they last anywhere from 20 to 30 years, but. Right. And that's what we were, but they said, you know, I mean, obviously they, everyone was trying to sell us on, Hey, you know, the hail thing, the heat in Austin. So, you know, and it was architectural shingle, nothing, you know, uh, but yeah, it was it was lessons learned basically. So it was like the two or three major expense items that came up in a house happened to us. And yeah, I mean, right now I would I would go out on a limb and say that the asset is kind of stabilized, but uh, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, so yeah, I mean, and even they they renewed with us. Um, yeah, then we got a lot of dirt. Uh, oh yeah, the other thing that happened with that property. He, so. During the course of the closing, the agent wasn't very upfront about stuff. Uh, we had to get, you know, the, the security deposit and the, all of that stuff out. Turns out there was a pet deposit that wasn't revealed as well. So we closed, we went, everything was done. And then a few months later, the tenants were like, you know, we, we like kind of dealing with you guys. You're, you're, you know, working with us, um, unlike the previous landlord, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, we'd like to renew for another year and, and it was right in the pandemic and we didn't want to, like, I didn't want to go out there and show the property. So I was like, you know, that's great. We'll keep the rent the same and you guys just stay on. Uh, and then when they were reviewing documents, they were like, oh, we had signed a pet deposit and we gave, we had given X amount of money. And I was like, oh, that didn't come up in closing. So we had to go back uh, to the agent and he took like two months to, uh, to just transfer the money. He was just being really difficult to the point where my, my agent's broker had to step in and kind of threaten to say, we, we are going to go to the, um, the real estate commission and like mm-hmm. complain about you. And then he made some personal excuse and he was like, no, I just need a little bit of time. And it was just like 400 bucks, but I'm like, it was on principle. And I was like, you know what, just whenever 
whenever you can, that'd be great. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, so that's wild. Overall, it was like a, quite a transaction. Absolutely. That's not a lot. So wow. you think you'd be done with it soon. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think. And yeah, even getting like the, we wanted to review the, the tenants, you know, the, their, their application, their rental application. I mean, fair enough. We were taking it over. I know it's personal stuff, but they were fine with it. But yeah, I think he gave it to us the day before closing. And we were like, sure. I mean, it, it was a done deal. It's not that we were going to be like, oh no, they're not good tenants and we back out. But it was just, yeah, on principle, he was quite, <laughs> he called himself an investor, but I was like, eh. it was quite challenging dealing with him. Um, but yeah, my, my realtor, and that's where I, I guess having a good team on your side is like extremely important. And my realtor was on top of it. Like she was like on it, like she knew everything that had to be asked and had de- clearly had dealt with stuff um, with this kind of a situation. So it made my life easier, um, to be honest. Yeah, that helps a lot. So, you know, you said you've lived in Northern Virginia and Austin and, you know, you clearly have a handle on things. Um, you know, Austin's growing so quickly and you talked about how prices are kind of high. Yeah. You know, why do you continue to invest in Austin? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Uh, I mean, the, the one, one kind of barebone principle my wife and I kind of share on investing is we, we don't like hedging on future growth. Like, we don't want to say, we, hey, we'll buy a property and have it negatively cash flow, mm-hmm. um, and we'll hope for a, a big payout once we sell the place. Um, I mean, we, we like uh, a decent cash on cash return. Like, you know, we're not like super, we know the area is going to grow yep. uh, in the area, obviously. So and anything which gives us a eight to 10% cash on cash return is good enough, but we are looking for like kind of long-term growth. And this is obviously to start off with rents going to go up. Of course, property taxes are going to chase it, but uh, that's a different story. But, you know, I, I mean, the whole point of it is just operated like a business, right? Like, you need to have some sort of dividends coming out. I mean, I, I invest in the stock market as well. So I look at it as kind of a dividend investing. You need to get money out of it. If you're not, and you're putting money out of pocket, then it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, Austin, like it's obviously for future growth. We've, the area is great. Like it's, I, mean, I can't think of a place like where we, we've barely done anything in this house. We've, it's a lot of cosmetic stuff. Like we put in custom closets and I mean, it was a new home, but a 30% gain, that's 30, yeah. 30. You're not going to see that around like in, in Virginia, we, same thing in two years, but we had to put in a lot. Like we had to gut a whole bathroom and uh, redo the kitchen and under cabinet lighting and backsplash and a new sink and all those kind of things. But here it's like cosmetic. Hey, we put in, you know, wooden walls. I mean, we, we don't know we're <laughs> projecting based on the way sales have been in the area, like the, the builder hasn't exited the community. So we know the base price on our home has increased. So that's what we're projecting, but I, I think comfortably we'll get like 30% and it's, it's cosmetic. I mean, that's the thing Austin, I think is a great market uh, to invest in. in. I mean, it's the margins are very slim. The cash on cash isn't what people would get elsewhere, maybe in the stock market or, uh, I mean, borderline competitive with, um, with, uh, apartment syndication as well. But, um, but I think the long-term, like the actual growth 
of the the actual value of the tangible asset is much higher if like with single family multi multi family with the actual like associating with the actual asset oh or yeah the, yeah you know i think the the growth in austin is tremendous you know if you yeah. you follow any of the news outlets they expect the population to double in the next 20 years and as that happens prices are only going to go up so like you said, you're not investing purely for appreciation, but you see it on the horizon. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And with all the activity happening with the tech companies moving here, folks from the Bay Area, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, we're becoming, um, like the our area buying homes are becoming a lot like the Bay Area. The prices aren't as astronomical, but they're getting into that bidding system now, right? I mean, at least the new community that we've, uh, we're buying in, uh, we, we signed that contract in June. A month later, they were so like they were st- they were stopping because they were their lots were flying off so quickly that now they actually have a bidding process where you know you have to go in and you know whatever it's a three step bidding process. I don't know what the actual process entails, but that's what Austin has come down to. And you know, I was asking my realtor, I was like, "Hey, how are things?" And she was she was like, "It's constantly a multiple offer situation." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Austin being an—I mean, Texas being a non-disclosure state makes it really, really difficult to find out. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have creative ways as a realtor, but you know, Northern Virginia—it's like you can—we can go to Zillow and see what the home sold for. Mm-hmm. But Texas is non-disclosure; it's very hard to assess what did the property find itself for. You know, what, what do you, what do you need to be looking for in terms of comps for buying? Uh, and that's where, like early, you have to get creative. Um, yeah, you have to get creative, but if you can, there's so much, so much room for growth here. So there's sure. a lot of opportunity, and I think it sounds like you're taking advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's multi-families. Um, you know, we, we Northern Virginia, we there were like a few, but Austin. I mean, you'll find so many pockets of duplex, triplexes, and quads. Like even if you want to stay in that residential realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't want to go as big as an apartment complex, but uh, I mean, you know, there is like the multifamily territory is very strong. Um, you know, if you want to go into, if that's for you, for us, we just picked single family because we wanted, uh, I think from an exit strategy, single families are kind of a little better. Like in the event, like say if we have five properties and we want to, like one of the kids need to like, no, one of the it's like want to go to an out-of-state college um you know we can just offload one property fairly quickly in like 45 60 days and then we'll have you know the funds ready uh if really if need be or a health issue um so yeah it's just basically investing in these like little pockets so it's like you know hey you know you, we need the funds we have it accessible uh versus we're, we saw i mean again i could be wrong on this but multifamily it seems like it's obviously very investor house hacking i know is um a cool way. I mean, honestly, I, I really wish I was quite knowledgeable in my early in college days, and I would have definitely like house hacking would have been the way to go. But uh, you know, with a family, it's kind of a little challenging having to rent partial. And you know, if you want like a four thousand square foot home, it's, it's hard to get a four thousand square foot duplex. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why it's a great area. And yeah, we, we like it. We've been here for two years, just seeing the growth and, you know, the fact that so Tesla is coming in, 
uh, Apple, Oracle, they're all planning on growing their dev shops out here. It's, it's definitely a good sign. Yeah, tremendous growth in the last two years. Yeah. It's just been crazy. Sure. You thought it was growing fast before, and then the yeah. last two years have been crazy. And this year has been just insane. 2020 has been wild for... I know. I mean, I think if anyone looks at a graph, they wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No so many transactions and stuff. It's insane. Oh, so so much growth, so many home sales. Yep. You can't really tell this, but if you've been paying to just business growth and home sales, you wouldn't be able to tell we were in the middle no. of the pandemic. No way. So Joel, what's one thing you, you think newer investors should know? So let's say somebody's looking to get into real estate investing in Austin. What would you tell them? Uh, so real estate, I mean, may, maybe from like uh, a tech perspective or like my mindset, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, do, but you know, re real estate is, um, you know, the, that asset class itself is so versatile, right? You've got, you've got single families, you've got multifamilies, you've got syndication, which is like truly passive. Um, you can flip, you can Airbnb. I mean, there's so many things and it, it's honestly, you can, it's a buffet and you can literally pick what will suit your lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Austin has everything. Airbnb laws are a bit like weird, I've heard, but, mm -hmm. but I mean, but in general, you have everything over here to offer and it's what fits what's, what fits you as a person, right? So for us, with both of us being W2 employees, Buy and hold was definite, but it's like what what would be what what type of a home should we pick, right? Um, so as I told you, Burr, but Burr investing just would involve a lot more of my time, and right now our time is kind of more valuable than at home. Um, yeah, being our W two jobs and with the kids being at home. Um, so yeah, single family just makes sense. Like literally, I can go through a whole transaction over the phone from home, right? In a, right from putting in an offer, I can call in the inspector, do the appraisal, get all the lending done, and have a notary come home and close if I have to. And that works great for me. <laughs> uh, if if really things go down, uh, you know, come down to it. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that an advice to investors would be, you know, like don't deter from you know, the price or anything. You can get creative if you really want to do it. Anything's possible, honestly, in Austin, from a real estate perspective. You can make it work. You can work a full-time job, and you can buy a property, hand it off to a property manager if you don't want to self-manage. Uh, you know, there's so many avenues. Uh, focus on your strengths and then, you know, acquire an asset that would suit your path and your end goals, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I think you always need to keep your end goal in mind. If, if it's more short-term, over it's more long term, that's going to change the goal, you know. So right, more exactly. short term, you, you really need to save as much money as you can and make as much cash flow as you can. If it's more of a long term thing, like you said, if you're picking up homes and you can chunk them off later on down the line when you need extra cash, that's a great way to go too. But yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's about you know what bits of friends of ours they bought three new homes and they just want turnkey properties. It works. It barely cash flows, and you know it's it's. It's great. That's that's the model that works for them. With yeah. us, we're okay with putting a little bit of sweat equity. We obviously not our own. We'll just you know hire someone, but but we'll build that equity. We don't mind building that equity. We uh, an older home with like wallpaper and bad car, smelly carpets, not going to turn away. We can we see the potential in the area, right? It's all about the location, uh, you know. 
um, the the good like a, a relative school the good school district or a proximity to you know grocery stores and you know those kind of things. So um, yeah, and this this area you know it's it's great and that's the thing. The more the biggest thing uh, deterring new investors probably in this area would be them either getting priced out of the market or the fear of getting like priced out of the market. But you know there's you know you can go through hard money lending to acquire properties and you know there's there's ways if you don't have the actual capital to do it but um yeah you just have to get creative i think in this time when when it's a kind of i think you know when inventory is low yeah i think the off-market deals would be uh would be kind of the way to go now you try to pick up a property before it hits market yeah, inventory is low and there's a tremendous amount of competition. So if you're yep. looking for that perfect brand new property, you're fighting against so many people. Yep. If you want something like you're talking about with old smelly carpet and wallpaper, probably not as many people want that. So that's yeah. a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've seen that firsthand and it's crazy. Like we bought our first property in September, the market last September of 2019. And it was like, you know, we could go and literally cherry pick what we wanted. Come February, it started to become, you know, a feeding frenzy for investors. And now it's just forget about it. I'm just like, right now it's too hot. And obviously with the uncertainty of the pandemic, we were just like, no, let's, let's cool up. Let's see where the market lands up going. Um, but yeah, once we free up equity from this house, that's where we're kind of gearing up to, to build up. And this is good. It can kind of effectively ride out this, this phase that we're going through and hopefully we'll get to, get to some sort of a stable platform next year and be able to, you know, things won't be as crazy. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we hope so. Hope so, um, yeah. so, you know, it seems like you've persevered through a lot of headaches and, and issues. What's your best mindset advice for people? Uh, I mean, never to give up, you know, okay. that sounds kind of cliche, but you know, uh, as, as an investor, I mean, you know, when we went through that second transaction, there was so many times that, uh, I mean, of course, right now it's anecdotal, but we, when we were dealing with the investor and, you know, I mean, before we were getting beaten to the punch, right? Uh, so many, there were like four offers we put in and we kept, you know, we're always landed up being second best. Um, so once we got this offer and the struggle to get to closing, uh, you know, was just, uh, it's easy to throw in the towel, right? It's easier to say, I can't do it. Uh, and this is too difficult, but uh, you know, we kind of persevered. And the good thing is my wife and I are on the same page with this. She's, um, you know, she, she helps identify, identifies, you know, the properties. She's very savvy about this stuff, scouring Zillow and MLS and Redfin and whatever source. And I'm more the foot soldier. I go out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, go through the realtor, put in the deals. I'm more on the number crunching and stuff like that. So we have a good thing. So, you know, the odds of both of us being down is, is uh, down and out is, you know, highly unlikely. It's 50-50 shot, but, uh, but no, we were able to kind of pick each other up, kind of talk through the whole process to get to close. And then even now dealing with the tenants, uh, I primarily do that, but it's nice to have a sounding board. Um, but, you know, you just have, I mean, if you don't have your spouse, you find a mentor, you find someone who will be able to talk you out. And, you know, it's always good to lean on. Uh, and, you know, Jordan, we connected on the investor underground platform. It's nice to yeah. throw uh, questions out there, right? Like, you know, 
I, I think we had an issue as well during the same closing. And I posted a question in there and, you know, got some very valuable feedback. Um, um, so it, it's, it's, it's great to like lean on, but, you know, again, having your end goal in mind and, you know, being strong enough to kind of achieve that um, and not giving up in, in the process. And, you know, it's patience. It's, it's a patience game. You're not going to, you know, with the age of like Bitcoin and, you know, <laughs> being able to like, you know, go 5x, 6x on your money like overnight. Uh, and, you know, with instant gratification of your phone, it's very easy to like lose sight of some of like, some things take time, right? You're not able to build equity in a home overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take five, six, 10 years sometimes. You just have to wait it out. You can't, even as fast as Austin is growing, uh, when you roll in, you know, costs of transaction fees, like if I try to sell my home today, yeah, sure, it's gone up by 10%, but what am I going to net after I pay out the fees and stuff, right? So it's it's a patience game. You can't hope to build overnight or even 1031 into a bigger property. It's a patience game. You have to wait it out and uh, things. So yeah, mindset is patience and never give up. Absolutely. It's great advice. Do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you like to refer people to? I know you talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But, um, yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one, you know, as I said, it came in, uh, it came in kind of after the fact when we did it. But, uh, you know, that's definitely a book for very early, like novice, someone who's like trying to find themselves and mm-hmm. thing. But uh, The Dip by Seth Gordon, that's, uh, that's a good um that's a good book that, uh, you know, over the pandemic, I was kind of reading about like mindset and the ability, you know, the, the, the notion of winners never quit, you know, that's, you, you need to know when to kind of cut your losses. Mm-hmm. So that book was good. It kind of gave some insight as to, you know, that there are times, you know, your time is money and you need to make efficient kind of use of your time. So I know uh, when we were evaluating properties and I was looking at, you know, Boring, and my wife's like, you know, your time's more valuable. You can't, you know, put your W two job on hold and go out there. So, you know, cut your losses. Don't look into burrs. Stick to conventional. We are. We can use our primary income, if anything, to like fund these properties, um, like to acquire them, pay for the down payment. But, um, you know, I mean, just no. And I would keep researching and researching, like, how can I make burr work for us and. There was just no, and then I had to cut my losses. So the dip was a good thing to kind of give, get into that mindset of, you know, it's, it, even if you spent all that time on it, it's, it's okay to just kind of cut your losses, move on. And it, for us, real estate being such a broad, um, you know, be, having such a broad spectrum of like single family, multifamily, you can pick from anything. Uh, it's just a matter of pivoting, right? So we just managed to pivot and said, all right, we'll just stick to traditional buy and holds right now. And we'll figure something out later if time frees up for us. Right? Sure, I think that's great advice. Yeah, um, that and then uh, from uh, I mean, since bigger pockets like uh, the rental property investing by Brand- Brandon Turner, I think for landlords that's a pretty good book. I mean, for investors. Oh yeah, that's a great book for uh, yeah. learning more about rentals and how to manage rentals. So big yeah, fan. Yeah. Definitely. But- Joel, if people are looking to learn more about you or get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, so for now, we don't have a big um, social presence, uh, but best way to reach out to me would be um, through email. So joel.desouza at atxdesouzaproperties.com. Um, that would probably, email would be the best way. You know, if you have 
uh, questions if, you know, out-of-state investors kind of want to know, you know, folks similar to me, I have a lot of friends that want to invest in the area and, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out if I can like manage their properties or you know, something where, you know, I can help them out and we've kind of identified a few pockets. So, uh, but yes, out-of-state investors have questions, you know, reach out or someone in Austin just wants to talk through stuff. Definitely. Um, Joel.D'Souza at ATXD'Souza Properties.com. Your email will be the way. All right. Thank you. All right. Last question here, Joel. Probably the most important question. What's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Oh, cool. Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, yeah. So, my wife and I grew up in the Middle East. So, we love um, Middle Eastern, like Mediterranean food. Mm -hmm. It's been very hard to find one. But we find. Yeah good kebab place uh, called Shandy's. It's on Anderson Mill. Uh, they make the best kebabs, Scooby-Day kebabs. Uh, it's very close to what we'd get in Kuwait. That's where we grew up. And yeah, it was, uh, it's Persian, Persian kebab. So it's called Shandy's. Yeah, I would highly recommend that. Absolutely. How do you spell that? S-H-A-N-D-E-E-Z. Oh, okay. I'll have to check it out. Shandies. Yeah, really good kebabs. And then obviously everyone's favorite, nothing specific to Austin, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my kids love that. Wednesdays is Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Always good. Yeah. All right, Joel, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we will put Joel's email in the show notes here too. So if you want to reach out to him and just ask anything about his single family investing in Austin or his passive investments in apartment syndications. But really appreciate it, Joel. Hope you're having a hey, great Thanks day. again, Jordan, for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.